This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. Before we talk any business, yes. while the mic is on, yes. I have to tell you something. I don't think I do a good enough job of gassing you up. And I was just thinking about, you know, maybe it was the margarita. Maybe it's just how I'm feeling. <laughs> But I was just thinking about how really talented and great you are and how good of a friend you are and how easygoing you are. And I was like, the people that listen don't know that you are truly one of the best people I know. (laughs) And the margarita's wearing off a little bit. And you're probably going to tell me a really terrible story. So my feelings could change. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogab, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. All right. People are wanting me to change with the intro a little bit, because they're like, you kind of know them since you've been here for a year. And I would agree, but I'm not there yet. I'm going to give it a little bit more time. I'm not there yet. I would totally agree if the second we were done recording, you didn't forget the entire case that we had done. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because I was sounding real, like, cocky and confident in Annie Annie Lay. You know, like, I just knew. And then – Wait, so he did it? (laughs) (laughs) I know. And he sent me the sources. I'm like, have we done this one yet? (laughs) So, yeah, you're right. I went to Austin this weekend, and so I re-listened to our Angie Dodge episode. (laughs) And that was the one that we had had to re-record. Like, we'd recorded on a Monday. I'd messed up my – Oh. So we had to re-record on Saturday. It was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, five days later. And you Mm -hmm. did not remember the episode until three-quarters of the way through the story, (laughs) and you were finally like, oh, yeah. Like my brain can't handle that. I remember it now because I believe that's the episode where you said penalized. You didn't cut the almond part, did you, from the other one? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Because I'm like, we have penalized Dalmatian and almond. The and almond punch you was time. a mistake. The almond was a mistake. I might yeah, have cut it because it was a mistake. <gasps> you can't. That's our. That's like going to be your thing. <laughs> it's like our thing. I, mean, I don't crazy. say almonds, almonds, but I did – Okay, I I also don't eat a banana sideways, but you've got to do it if the content's good, you know? 
There's a lot of things. Uh, did I tell you I started Harry Potter number six, Half-Blood Prince? The book? Oh, exciting. So good. Such a good one. And I do need to say, a few people slid in my DMs. I hate to admit this because people were so excited. It is a reread. It's not the first time I'm reading them, everybody. Oh. I know. If it was the first time, we would have a separate podcast about that. Yeah, I know. 100%. I know. But it really does kind of feel like the first time because my like memory, my reading comprehension, 10 out of 10. My reading comprehension one month after I've read it, zero out of 10. So I read these when they came out, like when I was young. Oh, you've only read them one time. Only one time. And like when I was like in seventh grade. Right. So it's basically like, so it's really See, one of my biggest regrets in life is that before the seventh book came out, I bought a book by that was made by MuggleNet that listed like all of their theories. It like just kind of talked about all their theories of what they thought would happen in the seventh book, like how the series would end. And so I read that thinking this isn't going to be spoilers because it's just fan theories. Right. But these were the biggest fan, like these were the biggest fans that had studied these books. And I had only read them all one time. All of their predictions were correct. They predicted that Snape. Wait, what? Jesus Christ. That can't be a spoiler. You've seen the movies and you've seen the books. Anyways. It's ruined for you now, too. (laughs) Great. Okay. Then you get your joy out of that. (laughs) I'll bleep it. Still my joy. I just gassed you up over here. (laughs) Thanks for that. That was so nice. Yeah, well, I take it all back. Oh, boo. You were going to take it all back by the end of this episode anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, yes. I was getting ready. I was in Austin to go to the F1 concerts and uh, – I like how you said the F1 concerts. Yeah, the F1 not, the, the not the race. I was going to go to the race. ended up skipping it, but – I went to the Super Bowl for the concert. <laughs> I would okay. go to the Super Bowl solely for the I halftime know. show. <laughs> I would actually be really bummed because I would be like, wait, we don't get to see the commercials? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Not interested. But uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, the World Series. <gasps> I know. Listen, I need to be off from the podcast. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I oh. really could care mm. less about sports, but Boo. I'm excited the Astros are on in that. the World Series. Thank Good you. Good for them. <laughs> yeah, we may or may not have an episode next week, depending on how the Astros do. Yeah, if we make a run for it. You guys just might not get an episode. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Also, if we happen to not have an episode next week because of the World Series, do you know where you can find more episodes to tide you over through that time, Mogab? I sure do because I work here. And it's called <laughs> the Patreon. And the I Patreon. am now aware of what happens on every level. Okay. All right. So you can go over to patreon.com slash Creepers. You can sign up there. You can choose a level. And Mogab's going to tell you what you get at the different levels. Oh, my gosh. You got it down. Are you ready? Yes. $5 level. You get a bonus episode every month. And even if you sign up today, you can go back and listen to the past one. So all the content lives there. Yep. And you get a shout out. Every level gets a shout out on the pod. The $7 level, you get the bonus episode, your shout out, and... You get a decal and a thank you card autographed by us. And you also get our mini creeps, which are fun little bonus content segments. They're like a couple a month. They're on like 20 minutes and they're sometimes true crime related, sometimes not. And then the $10 level is all of that plus 20% off merch. 
That's correct. Everything you said was correct. Also, I just want to make everybody aware, when you sign up, there's a welcome letter and it is full of information like how to get the private RSS feed so you can have access to the bonus content. You can't apply it to every single podcast app like Spotify doesn't allow private RSS feeds. So it also has a list of the other like free podcast apps you can download to listen to the episodes because the Patreon app is not the best place to listen. But you can listen there if you would like. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. All right. Are you ready for this case this week, Mogam? I am. I really am. All right. Today. I missed you. Missed you. <laughs> I'm ready for our lives to like slow the F down so we can like. I know. <laughs> hey, coming in hot though for Christmas. I'm so excited. The countdown is on. I know. All right. Today, I'm telling you about the affluenza murders. Like the flu? No, that's influenza. What's affluenza? Is it when affluent people get the flu? You will find out and you will be just horrified. Oh, no. (laughs) A big thanks to Michael Mooney for his article, The Worst Parents Ever in D Magazine. (laughs) It was the night of June 15th, 2013, a night that would change the lives of so many, just people in the wrong place at the wrong time in a matter of seconds. Oh, man. We're in an upscale neighborhood in Burleson, Texas, which is about 30 miles south of Fort Worth. It was the night before Father's Day, and over at the Boyles residence, Eric and Holly Boyles were enjoying some fried chicken with their 21-year-old daughter, Shelby, who was home on break from nursing school. After dinner, the family settled down to spend the rest of the evening watching a movie. Just a quiet night at home. Down the street, youth pastor Brian Jennings was at his son Evan's high school graduation party, which was being held at the home of a close family friend, the McConnells. It was a great party full of friends and family members. They were all celebrating Evan's achievements and hearing about his plans for the future. Elsewhere in the neighborhood. Ugh, a third third family already. (laughs) yep all right shelby's eating fried chicken we got a graduation party down the street with the youth pastor Mm -hmm. there's another house 
Elsewhere in the neighborhood, 24-year-old Brianna Mitchell was driving home. So she's in a car. She was driving home from her job as a chef at a private club when a tire blew on her white Mercury SUV. The car spun out and knocked over a mailbox before coming to a stop in the Boyle's front yard, who were just finishing their movie when they heard the crash. Eric Holly and Shelby Boyles ran outside to see what the loud noise was, and they found Brianna, the driver, shaken but otherwise seemed to be okay. Around that same time, Pastor Brian Jennings drove by and stopped to help. His truck was packed with the tables and chairs that they'd used for his son's graduation party. He was on his way to return them to the church where they borrowed them from. And in his truck with him, he had his 11-year-old godson, Lucas, and Lucas's friend, Isaiah, with him. They'd wanted to help Brian unload the tables and chairs, so they'd hopped in the truck. When Brian saw the car crash, he pulled over and he told the boys to just sit tight and keep their seatbelts on, telling them he'd be back in just a minute. This is all in a neighborhood, though. Yeah, this is all in this upscale neighborhood on like a two-lane, dark neighborhood street. So now we have these five people at the scene. The Boyles family, which is Eric, Holly, and their adult daughter, Shelby. Brianna Mitchell, the driver of the SUV. And Brian Jennings, the youth pastor, all standing around Brianna's car trying to figure out if there's anything they can do to help. Shelby let Brianna borrow her phone, so Brianna called her mom and she was explaining what happened while Eric went to work picking up the mailbox that had been knocked down in the crash, and he carried it up to his garage. And then, while Eric was setting the mailbox down in the garage, he heard a horrifying sound. (gasps) He said if he hadn't been living in Texas, he would have thought it was an earthquake because the whole house shook. But it wasn't an earthquake. It was an explosion. Another neighbor actually did think it was an explosion. It's my Houston chemical plant. (laughs) A red F-350 carrying eight teenagers had been speeding down the road when it lost control and sideswiped Brianna's stalled car, then directly hit the four people standing in front of it, crashed into Brian Jennings' pickup with the two boys inside that was then pushed into the road into an oncoming Volkswagen Beetle, while the F-350 flipped upside down into a tree. Oh my god. Yeah. And side note, for those not in the know, Mogab, how big is an F-350? It's really big. (laughs) It's like your normal sized truck would be like an F-150. I used to have one of those. Mm -hmm. And then like, it's like a dually. Uh, Mm. Maybe. I think it is. It might be a dually. Might have the two... Tires in the back? I don't know. It's pretty hard to get a truck bigger than an F-350. Truly. I cannot believe what you just told me. Like, my stomach wants to fall out. I just literally saw an, an accident today with a high school kid. I know. That's crazy. I know. And Eric knew none of that when he heard the noise. And I I just cannot imagine what a crash like that so close to you <gasps> would sound like. Just metal on metal. I don't understand a high school student that needs a 350. Like, mm, yeah. Like, why, why are they driving that? Are they pulling a horse trailer? <laughs> nope. A neighbor half a mile away could hear the crash and later said he thought it had been an explosion. So Eric raced back out of the garage to see a horrifying scene of mangled car parts, debris, and bodies scattered everywhere across nearly 300 feet of road. 
Oh. It was absolute chaos. Eric Boyle ran to his front yard where he just left his wife and daughter minutes before, maybe a minute before. He got on the phone with 911 while he searched for them and reported the accident, and then he just started calling out their names. He found his wife, Holly, first, and he ran to her, and immediately he knew that she was gone. He now had to find his daughter, Shelby, but he didn't see her at first. He finally found her 20 feet down the road, her body thrown against a fence. She was dead, too. People all over this neighborhood heard the crash, and several came to see if they could help. Seven calls went into 911 within minutes of each other. One woman said she'd driven upon the scene of the accident, and she's trying to explain to the dispatcher when she just interrupts herself to yell, Oh, there's another child in the ditch. The operator had to ask her to stop screaming and tell her how many cars were involved. The woman said she couldn't. She said, It's dark. There's kids laying in the ditches. There's kids laying in the street. How many kids were in that truck? Eight teenagers. Eight kids in one truck? Mm-hmm. A 350 is big, but it doesn't seat that many people. No. We'll get it. It's into not a it. minivan. We had kids on laps. We had kids in the bed. We had kids, not, oh. a, not a dang one with a seatbelt. My stomach hurts. Like, my stomach hurts. You know why? Because every high school kid or high school or whatever has a group of people that are leaving the beach or the football game or whatever that's like, I'm just going to speed up. I'm going to put music on. I'm not going to whatever. I've been in the car. I've been in that bed of the truck. Like, it's just, oh, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. But they think it's worth it. They think it's worth it. They don't or they just think, think that it'll they be They don't okay. think. They think it'll be a fine. They just, yeah, it'll be fine. They don't even think that there's, like, it, that there could be a different result than, like, getting to where they're going. Right. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I feel sick. It was then that Kevin McConnell, the host of Evan Jennings' graduation party, drove past and saw the wreck, and he immediately recognized the chairs from the party as part of the wreckage debris, and he knew Brian had those chairs with him, and his heart just sank. He rushed out of the car, and he found Brian lying on the other side of the road in a ditch, and he then heard his son's voice, and it wasn't until that moment that he realized that his son Lucas had been in the truck with Brian. Both boys were okay, banged up a little from the accident, but I believe they both made full recoveries. Kevin McConnell called 911 and tried to tell them how many cars were involved in the wreck. He started counting one, two, three, and then just said multiple. He couldn't even tell for sure. On the 911 call, you can hear him telling the boys in the truck to stay there and just pray for Brian. Oh my God. Brian's wife, Shauna, was driving Evan home from the party when she came upon the wreck. And she saw Kevin doing CPR on him, and she says it was like she was watching a movie. It didn't feel like it was happening to her, but it was. Brian and Shauna's two other children also arrived on the scene, all of them heading home from the graduation party. Another call came into 911. This one from a drunken teenage boy who slurred his way through asking for some ambulances. When the dispatcher asked him how many people needed help, he said, dude, I have no idea. Oh, my God. A neighbor named Shanna Clark was driving down the road with her teenage son, Corbin, heading towards the scene of the accident when she saw someone lying in a ditch. She pulled off the road and saw it was a teenage boy wearing a pair of swim trunks. She told Corbin to stay with the boy, and she went to find help. Corbin stayed with him and said when the boy woke up, he seemed disoriented. He told Corbin, hey, man, I'm Ethan. I can get you out of all of this. Corbin said he guesses that Ethan thought he was involved in the accident. Ethan said to remember his name. 
Shanna returned with the police officers, and Ethan became belligerent with them. He refused the medical treatment they were offering, saying he couldn't afford an ambulance. Who is this? Ethan? Mm-hmm. The kid, the in, the kid ditch, in the ditch in the swim trunks. Yeah. Was Corbin, like, high school, or was he, like... Yeah, Corbin yeah. was, like, a teenager, oh. high school kid. Yeah, high school okay. kid. A sheriff's deputy arrived on the scene, and he said it looked more like a plane crash than a car wreck. <gasps> oh, my God. I cannot handle this right now. Four people were dead. Holly and Shelby Boyles, Brianna Mitchell, and Brian Jennings. <gasps> so none of the people in the truck. So none of the people in the truck. So just the people that had nothing to do with all of the Just the people that were literally standing in front of a house trying to help a 24-year-old girl that had car trouble. Yeah. The driver of the F-350 had been 16-year-old Ethan Couch, the boy found (gasps) in the ditch by Shanna. In swim trunks. Mm -hmm. After the crash, he'd crawled out of the truck and then walked away from the scene. So – Police start interviewing people that were at the scene, and they start to piece together this tragic chain of events. Earlier that night, seven doors down from the boils, another party was happening at the home of 16-year-old Ethan Couch. It wasn't his home, of course. It was his parents' second home, a 4,000-square-foot ranch house that Ethan had basically been living in by himself, unsupervised. Uh, why? Why? It was furnished with a bed, a couch, a TV, and an Xbox because his parents, Fred and Tanya Couch, had already moved into their new house in Fort Worth, a 7,000-square-foot compound that included guard towers, a guest house, a two-story guest house, and a steel gate surrounding it. So they rich, who lives there with them? Just them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They obviously needed all that room. You will find out why they maybe needed a lot of space. Between them. Oh. We'll get into that. I can't wait for that. So, but he's living, he's 16, he's living Mm -hmm. in this house by himself? Mm Mm-hmm. Ethan and his best friend Garrett, they'd been working at Ethan's dad's company that day, and Ethan was borrowing his dad's F-350 because his 150 was in the shop. On the way home, they picked up Garrett's girlfriend's star, and they went back to the house. It was Garrett's birthday, and Evan wanted to have a party, so they posted party invites on Twitter and Facebook, and slowly, friends started to trickle in. They'd been drinking pretty heavily the night before, so Star wasn't really up for another night of getting drunk, but she was the only one there that was not drinking. After dinner, they got back into the truck. It's now the three of them, plus these two other kids that had come. They get back into the truck to pick up some more of Garrett's friends. They went and did donuts on a soccer field. And then they decided they needed to go get beer. But none of them was 21, so they had to steal it. They went to the Walmart, and Ethan waited in the truck while four others walked in, picked up three cases of Miller Lite, and walked directly out of side entrance. Surveillance cameras (laughs) caught them, but they weren't stopped at the store. Cool. Everyone was planning on spending the night, so once they got back to Ethan's house, they all just started taking shot after shot after shot. They played beer pong, lit fireworks. Star was getting super bored, being the only one not drinking, and she'd also just started her period and she needed tampons. Ugh. Every every news article was like, she had to go to the convenience store. And like, (laughs) nobody would say that she needed tampons. Listen, if I started my period and all of those shenanigans are happening, I am in the absolute worst mood. Like, I do not want to be there. 
oh my God, no kid. I would, I would not want to be anywhere less. But she could not get a cab company to come pick her up. And Ethan helped her look all over the house to see if there might be a tampon hidden in one of the house's four bathrooms, but they couldn't find anything. So Ethan took yet another shot of Everclear and said he'd drive her to the gas station to get tampons. Why wouldn't she drive to the gas station? And also, if I had four bathrooms, I'd have one solely dedicated to (laughs) feminine products. (laughs) I know, but this house, again, it is furnished with a couch, a TV, and an Xbox, basically. My God. Sounds like a frat house, honestly. I'm picturing, Mm -hmm. like, just an open frat house. Yeah, there's a wet bar inside. There's a pool out back. Like, it's a nice house. And Ethan didn't want to leave anyone alone at the house. Most of the kids there were Garrett's friends. Ethan didn't know them, so he said everyone needed to come. And instead of letting Star drive herself, the one person who hadn't been drinking, he insisted on driving and told everyone to pile into the truck. There were six of them in the cab of the truck. Star was, like, sitting on Garrett's lap. Two in the bed. None wore seatbelts. And Ethan was in some kind of mood. On the way out of the house, there was like a box fan sitting there, and he just picked it up and smashed it. Star mm. said she figured he was showing off for the kids he didn't know as well. This guy sounds like a loser. <sighs> You've no idea. Star told him he shouldn't be driving. She said he was so far gone that he didn't even know where he was. And she was really apprehensive about getting in the truck, but Garrett told her it would be fine. So she got in. Ugh. Immediately, Ethan started driving like a wacko. He gunned the engine as they peeled out of the driveway and then immediately got the truck up to over 70 miles an hour on this neighborhood road. He started driving on the wrong side of the road. He was swerving, driving recklessly, playing chicken with oncoming traffic. Oh, my God. He's got seven other people in the car with him. Star begged him to stop to get into his lane. They made it less than a quarter mile from his house. They were seven houses down. Oh, my God. Brianna's Mitchell's stalled SUV. How did he even do all that with that little time? Yeah. Like. I know. Before mowing down those four people without ever once hitting the brakes. You've told me a lot of terrible stories, but this one, like, I'm nauseous about it. The kids in the truck said the only thing that they could remember was a feeling of flying as the truck flipped over. All the teenagers in the F-350 survived, but the two in the bed were thrown from the truck when it flipped and were critically injured. Solomon Momad had numerous broken bones and internal injuries, but he would survive. And 16-year-old Sergio Molino suffered a serious brain injury and was paralyzed. Oh, my God. A former soccer player, he's now confined to a wheelchair and no longer has the ability to move on his own or speak. A later analysis of the truck would show that Ethan was driving 74 miles an hour when the airbags deployed. And I'm sure he's fine. I'm sure Ethan has yeah, very he, little to no injuries. Yeah, he was fine. He had a few things, nothing, nothing that won't heal, right. that couldn't heal. The more I thought about this crash, the more I just kept thinking about all of the people, like the concentric circles out, all yeah. of the people that were affected by this crash. You know, I thought immediately of the four that were killed. But then I started thinking beyond that, you know, their family members like Eric Boyle, who in an instant, in a matter of seconds, had his wife and daughter just ripped from him in front of his own house. The day after the crash was Father's Day and Eric Boyle said he found his Father's Day cards like already filled out and some (sighs) gifts that Shelby and Holly had planned to give to him. And they were just gone like he couldn't even say goodbye. Oh, my God, I'm going to cry. 
Brian left behind his Ooh, wife, Shauna. I don't know why this one is bothering me so much more. Because it's so unnecessary. It's so ugh, just senseless. There's just so many – yeah, it's so many people. I mean, you could say that about any murder, but it's like this just feels – And it was just such a wrong place, wrong time. Like Eric stepped away for a minute to pull the mailbox in and lost his whole family but lived. Well, and it's like people like stop to do the right thing. Like, you stopped yeah. to do the right thing. I stopped today mm-hmm. and was in the middle of a busy street, like, helping. And mm-hmm. it never once dawned on me, like, I could get her. And it's, like, yeah. the four people, yes. But then it's, like, I think what's making this different is, like, for a murder, there's sometimes remorse. But those people made, like, a conscious choice. And not that this kid didn't. But, like, if he could go back in time and do it differently – they probably all would do it differently. And it's like, you don't have to think like that. Like, you could just do it right the first time. Like, you don't have to drink and drive. Instead of drinking and driving and then wishing you would have done it differently. Yeah, and you want to know the real kicker? I don't think that's true. Oh. Yeah. What? How could it not be? We'll get into him. I don't want to. No, thank you. Brian left behind his wife, Shauna, and his three kids. One of them, Evan, had just graduated high school. Like, they'd just been celebrating. Oh, my God. Your whole life is ahead of you. And now they just don't have a dad. And then all of their friends, everyone who loved them, Kevin McConnell, who tried to perform CPR on his best friend in an attempt to save his life. So many people wanted to come to Brian's funeral, they had to stream it online. There's Brianna Mitchell's family and friends. Her mother was on the phone with her at the time of the crash. <gasps> And now just lives with everything she heard on that phone call. Sergio Molina, the former soccer player who, because of the crash, can only communicate by blinking his eyes. And his family, his mom, who suddenly has to shift from parent of a teenager to caretaker of a quadriplegic. And why? For what? For some shitty drunk driver who had to go 70 miles down a 40-mile-an-hour two-lane neighborhood road and who not only drove drunk, but chose to drive incredibly recklessly. Yeah. I feel so bad. Well, I don't know if I feel bad for her, but like Star, who like wasn't mm-hmm. drinking, didn't want to be doing this. And now is, I'm sure feels like this is her fault because she, she needed does. to go to the store. She, oh, I'm that's sure. exactly how she feels. If she hadn't wanted to go to the store, none of this would happen. You know, it I mean, could have. She, yeah. she could, yeah. It's, we could think that about every decision that we ever make in our life. You know, we, we choose to turn left instead of right and, Something terrible happens, like... Stop for ice cream, don't stop, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it just... I think about that sometimes, you know? How, like, I could choose to stop at this stop sign to, like, look up directions, and maybe in those 60 seconds that I was looking up directions, and then I go, maybe I could have gotten in a wreck if I hadn't stopped. Or maybe because Mm -hmm. I stopped, now I'm going to get in a wreck. You know, I mean, I just Mm -hmm. think about that. Like, you make decisions, and then... I think a lot of that's people trying to, like, reason with an outcome that seems so hard to process. You know? It's like... Yeah, I think I think I spend a good amount of energy trying to make sense of things that just don't... They just don't make any sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Three hours after the crash, Ethan's blood alcohol level was 0.24%. <gasps> Three times the legal limit if you're 21 in Texas. How was he alive? That's not like death time, but it's it's know, also but... three hours later. And your blood alcohol level decreases with time. So there's no telling what it would have been at the time of the crash. 
at the level he was at, that's the level where you're vomiting. You might become incontinent. I hope he did pee his pants. At 0.3%, you probably need help walking, and this is when blackouts can start happening. And he also tested positive for marijuana and diazepam, a.k.a. Valium. Wait, I'm a little confused. So they got his BAC, but I thought – so did they talk to him and, like, he blew and, like – so please talk to him at the scene. It's like he went home. I don't know where he went after the scene. He must have gone to the hospital, but I'm not sure. Okay. Like, what okay. happened directly after the scene. I know they tested his blood three hours later. Okay. Oh, they tested his blood. Okay. Yeah, because he tested positive for marijuana and diazepam, right. a.k.a. Valium. And combine those with alcohol, especially that much alcohol, and I'm it's a, a recipe for disaster. That's like downer after downer after downer. Yeah, like, I wouldn't want to walk down the hall, much less get in a car. After the crash, while so many families were arranging funerals for the loved ones that had been murdered by Ethan, he was at a rehab treatment center. But this place was more spa than rehab center. He was at this place in California called Newport Academy that offers services like equine therapy, yoga, and cooking classes. Hmm. He's living in luxury, getting quote-unquote treated setting his dad back a hundred grand, and all he had to show from the crash was a broken neck, a broken rib, and a broken arm. But after two months, and against the advice of doctors, his dad pulled him out of the treatment center and brought him home, and his parents were also working on assembling the best defense possible to keep Ethan out of jail. Because he was charged with everything the prosecutor could possibly throw at him. He was charged with four counts of intoxication manslaughter for the four people he killed, And two counts of intoxication assault for the two teenagers thrown from the bed that were permanently injured, at least the one. Mm -hmm. Ethan admitted guilt, so there was no need for a trial, only a sentencing hearing to determine what consequences he would face for his incredibly reckless actions. His sentencing hearing took place in Fort Worth Juvenile Court. Prosecutors were seeking the maximum penalty, which was 20 years in state custody. That's it? Mm Mm-hmm. Our girl got 25 for firing a warning shot. Well, she got 20, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well. But Ethan's attorneys fought this hard, and their defense would shock everyone. They said that Ethan, who'd just ended four lives and permanently altered countless more, was also a victim. Of what, you might ask? A victim of his family's wealth. They said he'd grown up without ever experiencing such a thing as a consequence for his own actions, and that's why the crash had occurred. Consequence for his own actions. He also didn't grow up in Linda Mogab land. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Yeah, he didn't grow up with my mama either. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. They brought in witnesses to show just how privileged Ethan Couch was. And how this was, as Michael Mooney with D Magazine puts it, the perfect combination of indulgence, addiction, abuse, and neglect that created a nightmare. So let's talk a bit about the nightmare that is Ethan Couch. Can I Google him or no? Yeah, you can Google his stupid face. (laughs) He's got a stupid face. (laughs) Stupid face. This was 2013, so how old would he be now? Let me see. He's like 24, I think, something like that. 22. Oh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. His parents were Fred and Tanya Couch. 
Fred was the owner and president of Claiborne Sheet Metal, which does large-scale metal roofing. He started the company when he was 21, and it's not a huge company, only like 40 employees, but they make a big money. A big money. A psychologist said that Fred had been angry since childhood. He described him as a big guy and kind of rednecky. The kind that settled disagreements by stepping outside. Ah, I'm familiar with this. He said he's either an asshole or he's frightened. Tanya, on the other hand, had dropped out of school when she was 15, was married with a baby by 18, and divorced before she was 30. She had a history of reckless driving, including a time she tried to run a car off the road. Tanya. Fred and Tanya got married in 1996, so this was Tanya's second marriage. And it's all. It was also Fred's second marriage, I believe, too. And even, was it like a true backyard hoedown? Because that's what I'm picturing right now. I hope so. Just true, just trash, <laughs> just rich oh. trash. You said it, not me. I'm not trying to get sued. <laughs> and Ethan was born the next year, but by 2006, they were already going through a very contentious divorce. During the divorce, the court ordered psychological evaluations of them and Ethan, and the social worker's report would end up running nine pages. She said that Ethan seemed like a polite and patient kid, and that he was really smart, despite missing 50 days of kindergarten and 40 (gasps) days of second grade. And he actually has a pretty high IQ. The social worker's biggest concerns about the couches were Ethan and Tanya's codependent relationship and Fred's lack of a regular and consistent relationship with Ethan. She said that his parents both treated Ethan like an adult from a very young age and allowed him to become overly involved in adult issues and decisions. At nine years old, Ethan already had his own motorcycle and four-wheeler. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Like, you don't need, I guess you don't need a license for a four-wheeler, but a motorcycle? I know. Fred told a social worker that his marriage to Tanya had been a mistake from the start and that Tanya had an addiction to pills and that she'd given Ethan, who was nine at the time, Vicodin more than once. And Tanya often referred to nine-year-old Ethan as her protector. And she'd moved an extra bed into her room and he would sleep in there most nights. That's really sad. She told the social worker that her marriage to Fred was ending because Fred was abusive. He'd call her names, pull her hair, and she said once he'd thrown her into a fireplace. Oh, okay. I'm starting to feel bad. So I know where's the blame buffet when I need it? Because like I'm kind of like I know. Oh, it's out. It's out of stock. Yeah, I think it's okay to feel bad because he like it's a a shitty life. Like I don't care how much money you have, that is not a life I would want. Those are not parents that I would want. Yeah, I can't wait for my husband to say, uh, it was a mistake from the start. (laughs) Right. Seems great. I think it's okay to feel sorry for him. And then also at the same time say, okay, well, now he needs to, now somebody needs to parent him and somebody needs to hold him accountable for his actions. Yeah, it's just like, you know, he didn't have a parent. So, no, he didn't. How is he supposed to figure it out the right way? Yeah. Tanya had a daughter from her first marriage, and okay, lots of people have shitty parents. A, a lot of people have to learn, no, yeah. you know, how to be a parent or like how to how to be a human being because they don't have parents that will teach them. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. Like the accident, like 
you should have known better, like, especially because you had people telling you. Like, it's one mm-hmm. thing when you just, like, aren't sure, but, like, there were people telling you to slow down. Like, but yeah. I'm just like, dang, that is not a way to grow up. Tanya had a daughter from her first marriage, and she said that Fred had abused her as well, that he'd choked her. And the daughter had said that she'd seen Fred slap Tanya when she was pregnant with Ethan. And oh, Tanya also said that Fred had had multiple affairs. So this is just like a disaster, just a total mess. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And after the divorce, the couches had a court-mandated visitation schedule for Ethan, but because rules don't really apply to them, they didn't follow it. Tanya said that Fred wouldn't properly supervise Ethan, and Fred said, well, I'm not a mom. (gasps) So Ethan Ethan would mostly stay with his mom in the Burleson house, the house where he'd had the party. The house sat on six acres with a pool, a playground, a barn, and a 6,000-square-foot workshop out back. Ethan missed his dad, and he wanted to see him more, but he didn't like it when his parents yelled at each other, which he said they did a lot. Hmm. They put Ethan into a private school in Fort Worth called the Anderson School, which only admitted like 20 to 25 students at a time. And to get admitted, you had to have really high IQ scores, and Ethan's was high enough to get a spot. The school's co-founder, Lavana Anderson, testified at the sentencing hearing, and she said that Tanya loved Ethan so much that she couldn't say no to him, which is not love. All right. I love my cat so much, but you can bet I say no. They're outside this door right now. They're not (laughs) allowed in. killing you inside. That is a little bit. Uh, But that's that's the part of being a parent, MoGab. Well, that's what bothers me when parents are like, I'm so-and-so's like, they're my best friend. I'm like, no, they're not. They're not your best friend. Like. No. Sainz was my best friend. They can be your best friend when you're 30, when they're 30. Yeah. But right now, you're their mom. Right. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. 
Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pros proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. Anderson described Ethan as a cute little kid that made her job easier. She said he was never mean to anyone and he was a great student when he'd first arrived at the school. But she saw his parents fight several times in the parking lot, just screaming at each other, most of the time with Ethan right there. One time, Fred locked the doors of the truck with Ethan inside and told Tanya he was going to drive away. Police were called, but nothing happened. My goodness. Anderson, this is the school's co-founder, she then told the most ridiculous story. And I think this story, above anything else in Ethan's childhood, really just sums up how Ethan turned out the way he did. When he was 13, she saw him pull into the parking lot of the school by himself. Like a car? He had driven himself to school in a car. She called Fred to let him know. Did he park? He parked? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. That's better than me most days. Yeah. That was pretty much Fred's reaction. She called Fred to let him know, and Fred said, so what? He's the best driver I know. Ew. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. He's 13, sir. (laughs) That's literally like seventh grade. Yeah, the best driver you know that would end up three years from now killing four people. Yeah. Yeah, in a car wreck. He told Anderson to expect Ethan to drive himself to school from now on. Yeah. Uh, excuse me? And Anderson interpreted this as him saying Ethan can do no wrong. He's better than everyone, smarter, more talented. But I also think there might be just a little bit of Fred just didn't want the hassle of driving his kid to school. Oh, I definitely think that's it. And he told they Anderson, didn't have buses? <laughs> no, because this is that little private school of like 20 to oh, 25 yeah. kids. And, you know, on top of that, okay, I looked up, this school is 30 minute drive away from the Burleson house. I don't know if that's where he was driving from. He might, maybe yeah, Fred yeah. had a ho- house closer to the Anderson school at the time, but because they were minutes? divorced, but it was 30 minutes away. So if he was, I mean, he potentially was driving 30 minutes to school. And probably on a highway. Like, I think most places, 30 minutes, you're getting on some type of potentially interstate. Yeah. At least a highway, if not a freeway. I mean, surely he didn't Wait, get on the freeway. Wait, what's the difference? A highway has stoplights and a freeway is has exits and on, on and exit ramps. Oh, really? Oh, I use those terms interchangeably. But I guess that makes sense. Like, Spencer Highway is like... Has stoplights, like Highway 3. Yeah, but why is it called a highway? It just feels like a street to me. Highway 3, same. I don't know why a highway is different. than It's bigger. It goes farther. It, like, I think it's stre- – You're like, making that up. <laughs> it stretches longer. It's a longer road. I really feel like 
all of a sudden I just like had a huge libel moment. I know I always use those terms interchangeably. Like always say like I'm getting on the highway. For, like, and I think you way. can. I think that's still correct. I think you can say like I'm getting on the highway now because I like the stoplight thing is my interpretation, I think. No, I think you're right though, because all the ones highway three, mm-hmm. Spencer Highway. Mm-hmm. Highway one forty six, highway forty five. You know, but you don't say freeway either. It's like an interstate freeway. I don't know. It might be like a but like highway one forty six has stoplights. It might too. be like a feeder road where just everybody calls it something different. You know, what do people call it other than a feeder? They call it. I'm gonna ask. They're like, like an access. Road, it's like right? regional. Yeah, access road. Yeah. Okay, so. Fred told Anderson that if she didn't let Ethan drive himself to school, that he'd just buy the school. A buy, a buy the school? Yeah, fine. I'll just buy the school. Anderson, call the police, please. I mean, seriously, that's that's what should have been done in the first place. Like, yeah. And obviously yeah, that's 13 stupid. Year old. So he ended yeah. up just pulling him out of the school and he put him in a ho- homeschool program. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Who's sitting down and homeschooling him? I think it was like a co-op program that like Mm. yeah yeah and soon after that in 2011 fred and tanya got remarried because that was yeah such a great yeah that was such a great experience for them the first time around and they started building that seven thousand square foot compound of a house and they said they noticed ethan growing more distant but he was also like 14 so they just assumed it was normal a moody teen right By the time Ethan was 15, he'd either graduated from the homeschool program or he'd gotten his GED, and he was taking classes at the community college and working at Fred's company. And by January of 2013, he was basically living all by himself at the Burleson house. Which makes more sense now that I know that they were letting him drive himself to school at 13. Right. And supposedly he was there to clean the house and get it ready to sell, but that's obviously not the case. Like, what's Ethan going to do to get the house ready to sell? What, he's going to fix up the broken cabinets? I don't think so. Not if he's having a party. Yeah, Ethan's friends even said that was a lie. They said that Fred had actually kicked him out of the house after a fight they'd had. And apparently that two-story guest house wasn't far enough away, so he went to the Burleson house. (laughs) Fred would check in on him periodically, but not often. And they said he hadn't been there in at least a week at the time of the crash. Then there was an incident in February of 2013. Ethan was found by police peeing in the parking lot of a Dollar General at one in the morning. (laughs) 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 Sir. At the time, he was borrowing his mom's F-150. And in the cab of the truck was a passed out, half-naked 14-year-old girl (gasps) and an open bottle of vodka on the floor in the back seat. Oh, no. What? Also, that's $250 smaller than the $350. Right. Officers came up to him and said he reeked of alcohol. They questioned Ethan, (sighs) who had no driver's license with him. And he told the officer that he'd taken pre-law classes and knew what police could and couldn't do to him. Mm, Okay. In his report, the officer said that Ethan had a hard time listening and that he's come from a family with wealth and he appears to believe he's privileged and entitled with no responsibility. (laughs) That sounds like what my like (laughs) kindergarten through fifth grade report card said. You know, they try and word it nicely like, that's a hard time staying on task because I would just like talk all the time. (laughs) Right. Mine was that I don't want to stop in the middle of things. And like, I have a hard time transitioning. My mom made my (laughs) kindergarten teacher white it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She was like, she's five. (laughs) 
Her <laughs> teachers are not going to see this and think that that's a bad thing, that she wants to finish what she started. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I could just hear the parent-teacher conference. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ethan had broken at least six laws, but the officer just gave him a speech about all the consequences of drinking and driving, gave him a couple of tickets for minor and consumption and minor and possession, and then called his mom to come get him. When they gave him the tickets, Ethan told the officers, thanks for ruining my life. Uh, you're going to do that on your own right. a little bit, sir. <laughs> right. Yeah, as if it was their fault. When Tanya picked him up, she like tried to play it off in front of the cops that she hadn't known Ethan had left. She was like, I had no idea you snuck out. And Ethan was like, what do you mean snuck out? I told you. And then she just cut him off oh, before he could say anything else in front of the police Come officers. On, dude. But it was pretty clear that she definitely knew that Ethan had left and that he'd been drinking. But she didn't punish Ethan at all for this. He continued to live at the Burleson house basically on his own, and his drinking would continue to increase, as well as his cocaine use. Oh, <gasps> what? Yeah. What happened to the girl in the back seat? Interesting that you ask, because that's a question that Tanya never seemed to ask. She was like, yeah. I don't know what happened to her. She was asked later on at a deposition, and she said, I don't know what happened to her. I guess her mom came and picked her up. She said she was only concerned about her son. I'm assuming since the police were there that she was okay and they got her home, but yeah. yeah. Four months later, four months after this incident at the Dollar General, while he was still under probation from that incident, he threw a party at his house, got drunk, and caused the accident that killed four people. At the sentencing hearing from the crash, the defense put a prominent psychologist on the stand named G. Dick Miller. Who's the real reason that we are talking about this case today? Oh. This guy said that Ethan had been raised by parents with no reasonable boundaries, and that he'd been taught by his parents that if he hurt someone, he could just send them money. He said this incident in February really set the stage for the crash. Tanya had covered for Ethan. She'd paid his fines and his court fees. And when he didn't complete the alcohol awareness classes and community service hours that he was supposed to, she told the courts that it was her fault and, like, basically got him a pass. Mm -hmm. On the stand, Miller said Ethan was being affected by the condition affluenza. <laughs> Wait, I made a joke about that. <laughs> a term combining the words affluent and influenza. Miller didn't make up the term affluenza. It's been around since the 1950s, but not in any medical journals. It's not recognized as a mental disorder and actually wasn't originally used to describe irresponsible rich kids. It was actually used to describe the social condition of basically trying to keep up with the Joneses, where you might go into debt and suffer from overload and anxiety, all in a pursuit of more. Mm -hmm. Dr. Miller, who was paid almost $16,000 for his testimony, later said that he regretted using the term affluenza, because he said his real point was that this sort of behavior happens all the time with kids in these circumstances. Spoiled kids with access to money and drugs. I am cracking up that <laughs> the irony of like him giving that testimony, but him obviously being paid by those parents that he's right, like saying that about. They're obviously who stroked the check for him to like testify. Well, yeah, that was his defense, that he had affluenza. I just was so funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, literally the way he's even getting paid for this defense. Oh, right. His affluenza. Right. They paid thousands and thousands of dollars 
for to a guy to get up there, yeah, to say that <laughs> say, Ethan was so rich and that's why he did this. Your money's the problem. That is why we're here. Yeah. Well, the money's not the problem. Obviously, there are plenty of people, wealthy people, that keep yeah. their kid in the rails, but. The article in D Magazine talked about a Psychology Today cover story called The Problem with Rich Kids that said kids in affluent suburbs are more likely to experience clinically significant levels of depression and higher rates of anxiety and substance abuse. And they're also more likely to cheat and steal. Uh, This makes me so mad. I mean, like, look at Lauren Conrad, okay? She did just fine. (laughs) She is out there for all of us. And she was Uh. truly, you know? Yeah. Living their best lives. And they were out here doing this stuff. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I totally agree. So after three days of testimony at Ethan's sentencing hearing, where witnesses really painted a picture of Ethan's childhood and just how dysfunctional it really was, Judge Jean Boyd was ready to make her decision on an appropriate sentence for a drunk rich kid that had killed four people and whose only defense was that he was too rich to have learned right from wrong. Killed four people and critically injured too. What about the other people in the car? They just had small injuries? They still risked everyone's life. I yes. mean, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody else was okay. They all kind of walked away. They might have had broken bones like Ethan, but nothing that was reported. Brian Jennings' wife, Shauna, said to Ethan at this hearing, You lived a life of privilege and entitlement, and my prayer is that it does not get you out of this. My fear is that it will get you out of this. The prosecution wanted nothing less than the maximum of 20 years. And I'm not usually into a ton of jail time for minors, but 20 years would mean that Ethan would have been released at 36. He would still have plenty of time to live a life after paying his dues to society for his actions that cost the lives of four four people. And that's a five years per person that died. Yeah. But Ethan would pay no dues to society. (gasps) Once again, Ethan would have no consequences for his actions. Oh, I will flip this table. He killed four people. No, no, I'm not going to let you finish. Judge Jean Boyd told the families of the victims that there was nothing she could do to lessen their pain. And she told Ethan that he was responsible for his actions, not his parents. Everyone in the courtroom, all the friends and families of the victims, they think they're about to get justice for the death of their loved one. And then Judge Boyd gave Ethan his sentence. Ten years of probation. What? As well as an unspecified amount of time at a treatment center. As soon as she gave the sentence, the bailiff escorted her out of the courtroom, which was in an uproar after her announcement. She didn't explain. She didn't say anything. She just left. This sentence was... That's about to be me dipping on this (laughs) podcast. I'm so pissed. This sentence was extremely controversial. I mean, nationwide, everyone was talking about it except for Mogap. Yeah, did you know about this in real time? No, I didn't know about it in real time. I heard about it later. Yeah, I had oh, heard about okay. it. Oh, okay. Take that gift back. <laughs> people could not believe that a kid could kill four people in a drunk driving accident, go with a defense of I'm too rich, and walk away with just probation. People wondered what the outcome would have been if Ethan hadn't been rich or white. I was just about to say, that would have been a low-income black male this would be a different story. And I'm just jail for you. saying what I, I said. Go straight what I to said. jail. Go straight to jail. I said what I said. People dug into her past cases, this judge's past cases, and they found that she had presided over a similar case. When 16-year-old Eric Miller 
had stolen a truck, driven drunk, and killed a 19-year-old. Only in that case, Eric got 20 years in prison. What? The cases were very similar. Same age boys, both involved in a fatal car accident. But there were Three people less. Mm-hmm. First, Eric stole the truck that he was using that night, which meant that he committed another felony that night. Technically, Ethan had stolen the F-350 from his dad, but the courts looked at that as a lesser offense. The other difference is that Ethan killed four people, injured 11 others, and paralyzed one, while Eric Miller killed one person. And the other difference is that Ethan is rich and was able to hire the best defense attorneys, whereas Eric is poor and dependent on court-appointed attorneys. But his defense doesn't sound like that great. I mean, I get that he paid these defense attorneys, but it didn't sound like they had any, like, earth-shattering. Right. Right. I don't know. I wouldn't be persuaded by he was too rich. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm too poor to give a shit. How about that? (laughs) So people pointed out this case, which had also happened 10 years before. And so it's possible that in those 10 years, this judge had kind of come to understood more about minors and brain development and why they should not get 20 years in prison. Okay, but like, how about two? Can we get some? Apart from a few sparse cases, Judge Boyd had a reputation of favoring long probationary sentences for juveniles and keeping their cases in juvenile court, not letting them get switched to adult court. So I'm not really sure why her sentence was so huge with Eric Miller. Like I said, it might have just been, you know, because it was 10 years before. Her sentence was also consistent with most juvenile DWI manslaughter cases in Texas when it's a first offender. Ethan's, but but he was already on probation. I can't believe there's even like, Ethan's I can't believe there's like second, like a second offense there, you know? Well, and he's not a first offender because he, he got a minor in consumption, minor in possession ticket. He should have gotten a drinking and driving ticket because he obviously drove that truck to the Dollar General. He wasn't just yeah. magically appearing he there. Show up there. Yeah. Minor in possession and MIP, I, I never received one of those in college. Uh, to me, that would be life ruining. And to him, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he said it, thanks for ruining my life. But Ethan's attorney said that very rarely does a nonviolent, non-intentional crime land a juvenile in jail. And I think we can maybe have different opinions of what constitutes nonviolent when you're talking about the fact that he was driving an F-350. That truck has a towing capacity of 32,000 pounds. To me, if you, that's a weapon <laughs> when you're driving it, mm-hmm. playing chicken on the highway. Like, to me, that's a, yeah. that's a weapon. But in general, I do think it's a good rule of thumb not to throw juveniles in prison for a first offense. You know, however, it's super hard for me to say that looking at Ethan Couch's smug, stupid face. Well, listen, your girl's not losing any sleep over it over here, so. <laughs> but this wasn't the end of the road for Ethan. By the time oh, no? he, by the time his sentencing hearing happened, there were seven civil suits filed by people injured in the accident or families of those that were killed against Ethan, his parents, and Fred's company because the F-350 was owned by the sheet metal business. Mm. The settlements of all of those are sealed, and all of them except one was settled in group mediation. Did he, with the 10 years of probation, did he have like a fine with that or no? Can they do fines or does that all come in civil court? I'm sure they can do fines. I did not read anything about a fine. Oh, dang. Yeah. Which, you know, sidebar, if the punishment to a crime is a fine, it's only illegal for poor people. So... 
it wouldn't have even I mean, yeah, I'm just saying I got a parking ticket earlier and I have to pay fifteen dollars. And I Yeah, this he did not have, have to pay, pay fifteen dollars. No. Exactly, not that I know. Yeah. Well, he had these seven civil suits, so I'm sure they had to pay Bocos in those, but they're all sealed, and so I don't know. <laughs> Wait, you said were. Bocos instead of Bucos. <laughs> like Boco, like the Texas State mascot. <laughs> Wait, our t- our mascot was named Boko? Oh, my God. Move on. <laughs> I didn't know that. I can't with you. Yes, you did. You Boko? know about Boko? Boko, Boko the Bobcat? Bucks? Yeah. No. Oh, Boko Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was like Buku Bucks. <laughs> That's why I say Boko. <laughs> oh, cry. <laughs> For Coco Buffs. Okay. That's why I just said Boko because I use them interchangeably. Buku Bucks. So the one <laughs> civil suit that held out was Lucas McConnell's civil suit. He was one of the boys in Brian Jennings' pickup truck. After the crash, both he and the friend that he was with were covered in shards of glass. The doors to the truck were jammed. To get out of the truck, Lucas had to climb out of the back window. And he saw more than his 11 years of life should have ever had to see. On top of the absolute carnage of this wreck, Lucas said he saw Ethan and heard him say, I only had two beers and I'm not going to get in trouble for this. (gasps) I love that he remembers that. Like as an 11 year old to like Mm -hmm. realize like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Lucas and his family decided that their civil suit could potentially be the only justice they or anyone else sees in this case, and they were not going to give up as easily. Why did everyone else's not? They all settled in mediation, and eventually they did too. So Ethan Couch gets a slap on the wrist. Ten years of drug and alcohol-free probation. The civil suits are all settled out of court, and he's basically sent off on his merry way to live his life. But if the courts couldn't take down Ethan Couch, do you know who could? Mogab. Samantha Mogab, party of one. Very close. Our girl, Twitter. (gasps) Oh, that's basically, I'm basically her biggest (laughs) fan. (laughs) Twitter user at Blonde Spectre, whose name is Hannah Hardy, posted a six-second video to Twitter on December 2nd, 2015, two years into Ethan's probation. The video was of Ethan, or someone that looked a lot like him, playing beer pong and laughing at a party. There are beer cans stacked up all around him, and people that were at the party confirmed it was him. The caption on the video said, It's ya boy Ethan Couch violating probation. I got more if you want. So she did it on purpose. It wasn't like a friend that was like... Didn't realize that she posted it and other people saw it. Originally it was because the video wasn't Hannah's video. She'd seen Uh. it on Twitter months earlier back in October and she'd saved it before the original poster had deleted it. Probably once they realized, oh, I shouldn't post this video. Hannah, Hannah. Hannah said she reposted it because it was making her mad that he wasn't taking anything seriously. She said she saw interviews with the victim's families and it just really got to her. If Ethan was going to get off with such a light sentence, the least he could do was actually abide by that sentence, and violating his probation could have meant a resentencing, where he could be facing 10 years in prison. His 10 years probation would turn to 10 years in prison. Officials weren't even sure what to make of the video at first, but they started looking into it. Before they could figure it out, 
Ethan Couch had missed his December 10th probation meeting (gasps) and couldn't be located by an officer. So a warrant was issued for Ethan's arrest the next day on December 11th, and by December 18th, they were actually reported as missing, and there was talk, they being him and his mother. I was wondering what that meant. And there was talk that Ethan had fled the country. Where's Fred? Ethan and Tanya Couch were officially fugitives. (gasps) And pretty soon they had the U.S. Marshals and the FBI and every other agency out there looking for them. Oh, I am here for this. A $5,000 reward was offered for information on their whereabouts. And where exactly were Ethan and Tanya? Almost as soon as that video had leaked, Tanya Couch went and took $30,000 out of her account, told Fred he'd never see them again, and apparently she and Ethan threw themselves a goodbye party before they fled to Mexico. Wait, (laughs) they had a goodbye party? Uh Uh-huh. And also, Uh Mexico's as far as you got. Right. And also, once again, we've got someone who thinks $30,000 is going to get you a lot farther (laughs) than it will. (laughs) Yeah, this podcast has taught me anything. (laughs) Diane Dales thought it would get her a mansion with separate wings and a nanny, and apparently Tanya Couch seems to think it's going to support two people for the rest of their lives in God, Mexico. Like, at what least was Anna plan? Delvey knew that you needed at least 70 grand of your friend's money to go, <laughs> to go on a trip to Morocco. Okay, yeah. Mogab, I have a question for you. Okay. So you're a fugitive. You're fleeing to Mexico. Okay, that's your plan. Okay, well, it would never be, first of all. What, that's put offensive. yourself in the shoes. Where in Mexico would you go? Tijuana, obviously. Because they decided that the resort town of Puerto Vallarta was a great place to lie low. Stop it. You can't go there. Literally half of Texas goes there. You can't lay low in any place that makes their main like income off of tourism. Right. I've seen you reports Carnival that cruise said- ships docked up there. I'm offended. I've seen reports that said they first went to the Los Tules, maybe, resort, but they had to leave when a worker tipped off police, so then they went to a crappy apartment. Other reports said they started out at an $80 a night beachfront motel and then moved to a crappy apartment. I've seen other reports that said they stayed at an apartment that was so crappy it cost $80 for the month. Either way, they wound up in some super crappy apartment. USD or pesos? Because that's also... (laughs) I believe that is USD. Either way, they wound up in some super crappy apartment in Puerto Vallarta's less glamorous Old Town section. I've seen the pictures. It looks terrible. The U.S. Marshals searched for them for weeks, but they didn't know where they are. They teamed up with the local Mexican officials, but it wasn't until they got their big break that they were finally able to find them. Oh, man. And you'll never guess what this big break was. (laughs) I guess after several weeks in Mexico, they were really missing some of that American food. And they decided they really needed a pizza. (laughs) There's always a pizza party. They could have gone out and gotten it themselves, but that would have taken effort. So instead, they used their own dang cell phone to call Domino's and place an order for the pizza. They have Domino's in Puerto Vallarta? I guess so. And uh, apparently Domino's was worth the risk and got them caught. Because it was their undoing. 
Do they get and the they pizza use their first? own phone? Which I'm assuming they hadn't used this whole time, if that's what. This must have been the first time they used it because that phone call told the marshals what area the two were in. And they let the Mexican police know, who then got their exact location from a neighbor. On December 28th, 2015, Ethan and Tanya were caught on the street near the seafront promenade in Puerto Vallarta and taken to a detention center in Guadalajara. Ethan's usual strawberry blonde hair had been dyed black, as well as his facial hair, which was like a goatee, except he couldn't, he can't grow in Ew. this hair, you know? So it's like the separate <sighs> mustache with the little chin thing. And it's like scraggly. And it's scraggly. Hey, men, if it doesn't grow, like, you don't have to do it. You could just right. shave that off. You can just shave that's it. That's yeah. preferable. That's an option. Mm-hmm. Ta- or just go with the mustache if that's your style, you know? But like, <laughs> yeah, don't. or don't. Or either. don't. I cannot believe right. this. I cannot believe this. <laughs> Tanya was deported to L.A. two days later, but Ethan fought the extradition. Originally, Tanya was held on a million-dollar bail, but once she was transferred back to Fort Worth, it dropped to, like, 75000 and she was released on January 12th, 2016. On January 28th, Ethan finally dropped his fight against the extradition. I guess he realized that Mexican prisons aren't that great either, mm-hmm. and he came back to the U.S., On February 19th, 2016, Ethan appeared at a hearing that would decide if his juvenile probation case would be transferred to adult court. And they decided that if you're old enough to be a fugitive, you're old enough for adult court. And they transferred him, saying he'd remain on probation until 2024. Oh, my gosh. On April 13th, 2016, a judge sentenced Ethan to four terms of 180 days in jail. 720 days total, but he broke it up into those four sentences because he was giving one for each of the car crash victims. Mm-hmm. And it was all in light of him fleeing to Mexico. It wasn't even because of this like probation violation in this Twitter video. Like if he had just stayed and dealt with the consequences of that, he probably wouldn't have had to do any jail time. It, it makes me so sad and mad because he should have gotten jail time, in my opinion, in the very beginning for the manslaughter. But you are a juvenile. You make a terrible, terrible, tragic mistake. You could have maybe turned your life around. And always have to live with that mistake. But you could have really done some work internally to, like, put some good back into the world. And you just blew it. And then you went to Mexico and you ordered shitty pizza. And, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Pizza's pizza. You know that's my opinion that people (laughs) can't believe. But I know. I love Domino's. I might be like the only person that like doesn't mind Domino's pizza. I think but. all pizza tastes the same. And that really yeah. infuriates people. Yeah. I don't see a huge difference in most pizzas either. Mm-hmm. Something we have in common. Oh. <laughs> Russell's New Jersey family really hates that take of mine. I'm like, yeah, this pizza tastes like all pizza. And they like <laughs> yeah. can't, they can't handle that. <laughs> I'll bet not. They yeah. hate that. Ethan spent the next two years in jail and he was released on April 2nd, 2018. The sheriff said that she did not believe that Ethan Couch was the same person he was when he'd gone into jail. She said the time he spent there was a rude awakening, and I truly hope that's true. I don't have high hopes, but I I hope that that is true. I hope that he maybe got in there and grew up a little bit and learned a lesson. Well, I think he has an addiction to alcohol, and I don't know how that gets fixed. I mean, obviously, he wasn't drinking in jail, but he obviously has a problem that he can't not like consume these substances. So I think he also needs help there too. 
Well, and that's why he was sentenced to time in a rehab treatment center. Yeah, it wasn't like a spa. <laughs> well, he ended up going to like a different place. He didn't go back to that spa hmm. after the sentencing hearing. But when he was released after his jail time, they gave him an ankle monitor and an alcohol detection patch. And he had to get random drug tests and he had to abide by a 9 p.m. curfew. <laughs> Sounds like a dream. Yeah. He is allowed to drive, but he has to pass a breathalyzer before he can start his car, which I just think should be forever. I thought you were going to say for everyone. I was like, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. Less than a year later, on March 18th, 2019, Ethan was allowed to remove the ankle monitor, but he was still on probation and all the other conditions were still in effect. And it was at one of these random drug tests on January 2nd, 2020, that Ethan tested positive for THC and was rearrested. Ethan, God, go home. And by home, I mean prison. <laughs> I know. They released him the next day because they said they couldn't determine if the THC came from marijuana or an oil. Apparently, there just oh, wasn't okay. enough. We think to Ethan's tell. dabbling in essential oils. <laughs> right. He's joined MLMs. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that'd be pretty productive. It's true. Tanya Couch was charged with hindering the apprehension of her son and money laundering. And Fred Couch has also been doing real great. In September of 2019, he was charged with assault after allegedly choking his girlfriend. I guess they're divorced again. I don't know. Uh. With his hands. Also, I couldn't figure out where to really fit this in the whole story earlier. But just a few months after the crash, Fred was arrested for impersonating a police officer. The police were called what? for a yeah, the police were called for a disturbance at some party he was at, and even though it wasn't his house and it didn't really concern him, he showed these cops a fake badge and pretended to be a police officer. He was later found guilty and sentenced to a year of probation in 2016, so Apple fallen real far from the tree here in this case. Ethan will remain on probation until 2024 and then it will all be basically over for him. And that's the story of the Affluenza murders. I'm calling them murders. That was a wild ride. I was I really sick to my stomach. And I, I was feel like really the Mexico sad. trip really just makes the whole story. I know. Well, yeah. I needed that a little bit because I was like really, really <laughs> struggling. My peep of the week is obviously this Twitter. What was her name again? Hannah Hardy. At I, she's Spectre. still on there because I'm about to do a deep dive. <laughs> she might so that's be. That's amazing. Sure. Hannah Hardy, you're my peep of the week. And, and you're in great company because my only other people of the week is Kim Kardashian. So, <laughs> God, I mean, so of far it's been people. all women. Oh, by yeah. all, I mean two. <laughs> so, all right. Do we have? Uh, do we have any shout outs? Yeah, we do. Shout out time. Shout out time. Is it shout out the form? We're gonna get a song eventually, or maybe not. I kind of like this. I mean, every time it's just different. Make it every time. All right. If you would like a shout out like these fine folks coming up, join our Patreon. You get a shout out at every single level. We'll shout you out. We'll thank you to the stars. We'll tell you how awesome you are. Yes. The following just you, people. Just not you. you and all your friends. Not you and all <laughs> your friends. One life. <laughs> <laughs> not you and uh, we'll we'll do your pet. We'll put your pet. If you put your pet's name in the line, maybe. But yeah. All shout right. out time. You go first. Our first shout out. Thank you so much, Maggie Iker. 
You're the best. The very best. I think this is the Maggie Iker that requested our best friendship with her. <gasps> oh, well, I'm becoming a lot more agreeable to new friends. <laughs> so I'm very much interested. Major shouts, Kelly Bear. Major, major shouts, Becca K. I like her phonetic, Becca. Becca. It reminds me of, do you remember the sorority girl? You know, the letter? But Becca, you know? <laughs> the letter. <But> Becca. <laughs> we do that all the time. Oh. Shouts for you, Becca. Criddle. She knows. If you know, you know, Criddle. <laughs> and uh, huge major shouts, Reagan G, like the president. Like the president. You go, Reagan G. <laughs> you go, Reagan G. Thanks thanks for being such a fan. Reagan is a G. I bet love that's what that means. Love to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> love, love to see this list. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. And everybody that's listening, thank you so much for listening. We would be so over the moon in your debt if you would just tell a friend no. or two or three or five about I'm the podcast. I'm already in debt. Don't be putting me in more debt, okay? Emotional labor debt. Emotional debt. <laughs> yes, Anyways, please. Please spread the word. It would be really helpful. Something else that would be really helpful is if you got on to the Apple podcast and gave us a five-star rating. A written review would be also just amazing. We got three more in today. That We're so good. Thank yeah, you so much, so those of you that wrote reviews and are leaving us their five-star ratings. Thank you so much. Yeah, we get a big kick out of reading this. So if you want to be part of Kristen and I's screenshots, you should write write a little ditty down. We like to swap them via Just text. Just know that if you are somebody that has left us a written review, we have screenshot your review at some point and sent it to each other and squealed. Yeah, we've talked about you behind your back for sure. For sure. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> also, you can follow us on all the things at Creepers Pod. That's We're on Twitter. We're on facebook we're on instagram also join our facebook discussion group the true crime creepers podcast discussion group so much fun so many fun things are happening in there all the fast and the furious waffle house <laughs> like <laughs> content you could yeah. possibly bubble tea now that's, <laughs> that's happening and be sure to subscribe to true crime creepers so you'll know exactly when our next episode drops when i'll tell mogab another wild story much like this one Bye, peeps and creeps. <laughs>